0: Um, I am really excited about Easter, Um, uh, not just because of the worship evening, but uh, because of the baptisms we're doing in the morning. I cannot tell you how excited I am, Um, especially as we always have a lot of people from Alpha get baptized as well. So uh, make sure you're here. Make sure you invite people. Make sure you invite your friends or whatever. and Just come and celebrate with us. Uh, But that's two weeks away. Uh, What we're doing now is we've got two more weeks left of this Gospel in Life series, uh, of which Chris will be finishing next week. But this week, um, I'll be kind of opening up a different topic. The the thing to say is if you have missed any of these talks, um, or you want to kind of go back over them, by all means, go onto the website uh, where you can download the talks. Uh, If you are registered on the website as well, you can go into the member section and download the audio version of what Tim Keller's been saying. Uh, so you can go back over that, which is absolutely brilliant. And So a few weeks ago, um, Denise was, was talking about, um, or Dennis was talking about community. Um, and the, the kind of sub, uh, I don't know, sub tagline, if you will, for this whole series is grace changes everything. So as he was talking about community and about how grace changes us and grace changes how we relate to everyone around us. So starting in the church. And then the following week, Denise spoke about how we relate to our unchurched friends. They're the people that, uh, that we know, that we get on with family friends that don't necessarily have this shared kind of faith. And how, as grace changes us, how we can then uh, engage with them in a, on a new level. And then last week, Chris kind of talked about the workplace and how, again, grace changes us. means we, we have the opportunity to redeem our, our workplace and our work relationships and enable other people to flourish. And so it's almost like kind of starting. And the whole series is starting from the inside and kind of working its way out. And so this week we're we're kind of taking the next step, and we're talking about our relationship with other people, the people around us. We don't necessarily have really deep relationships with, but we bump into. There are neighbours, the people we see on the street, the people we see in the stores, or you know, as we're, as we're out and about, or people at the school gate. And people we bump into all over the place. And so uh, today's to- topic is, is really about how we can redeem our neighbors and our neighborhood. And how we can, through grace, actually impact that area around us. And the title for this talk is, is about justice. Now justice, just to give you a quick definition, uh, how I say it, is to do justice is to look around us and try to put things right where they are wrong. So they try to put things right where they're wrong. A little example for you. So um, true story-ish. Uh, there was a guy um, who, who died and went to heaven. Was standing in the pearly gates. You can tell it's really true. And, uh, and he, there was St. Peter and kind of talking to him and going, wow, you know, you're welcome. Before I let you in, I just got to ask you a quick question. Tell me about a time where you demonstrated your faith and demonstrated your faith by putting right something that was wrong. And the guy, kind of bit caught off here, thinks for a few moments, and then goes, yes. Okay, well, there is is a great example. There's this time where I was, uh, I saw a young girl being harassed. And I just, I looked at that situation. She was being harassed by a group of bikers, really big, burly bikers. And I I just wouldn't put up with that. That that was just wrong. So I I shouted at them. I said, you, leave her alone. And they were like, just whatever. And uh, just ignored him, ignored me. Sorry. And so uh, I, I kind of went over and I, I just let rip. I, I gave him what's for. I slapped him around the face. And I went over to his bike and kicked the bike over. The biggest, the hairiest, the most tattooed guy. I got right in his face and I told him to stop it. So St. Peter's going, wow, that is incredibly courageous. That's amazing. I mean, when was this? And the guy goes, oh, about... Two or three minutes ago? (laughs) So, justice is about putting things right that are wrong. And there are two sides to justice. The first, or one of the sides, is about looking at the people, the criminals, the people that are doing the wrong, that are causing the suffering. And it's about seeking punishment, going after them and dealing with them and stopping what they're doing. That's one side of justice. The other side of justice is the, the helping of the victims, the people that are in that place where they're suffering for whatever the reason, for whatever the cause. Uh, it's about standing up and, and helping them. Now, we can so easily focus on the, the criminals and on the people that are making the loudest noise that are causing the trouble. But God asks God, Asks us to look at the victims, to help the victims, to take care of them, to, to serve them, to love them, to, to come alongside of them, encourage them, to, to bring them out of that place. And, you know, we can so often focus over there, but what we need to do, as the video is about to show us, is, is re- irrelevant of how they got there, just to help them and to love them. So let's watch the video and then I'll come up and finish off. In the DVD, um, Tim Keller says something that's really challenging. He says that doing justice, this is for the, the Christian, doing justice, wanting to bring shalom, peace, into the world around us is an index of our faith and our relationship with God. How much we do justice is how much we are in a relationship, how much faith we have with God. And The reason for this isn't that, uh, is, is mainly that Jesus identifies himself with the poor. And when you think about that, you realize that you can't help but identify with him. So how you look at Jesus and you see how he relates to the poor, and then you see how you relate to God, how you relate to Jesus. You can't help but find a comparison and find a a relationship in that. So if you know that you're a sinner saved by grace, if you know that there's nothing you can offer God, you, you will look at the poor person on the street, you will look at the person around you that's suffering, and you will call him brother. Because you know how he relates to the economy, how he relates to finances, that he's poor and and lacking in money, is how you once related to God. That you were poor and and lacking in spirit. And you, you look at that person and you see yourself knowing that just as they are struggling in that place, you can't help but see that you also, that you had nothing when you came to God. And you had nothing to offer and you had no way out. As you look at the alcoholic, the drug addict, as you look at the the homeless person, you can't help but see a reflection of yourself again. You see someone who's trapped in addiction. You see someone who's uh, in dark places just trying to find comfort in those places and survive amidst the kind of chaos that is life. And yet, if it wasn't for the hand of grace, if it wasn't for God reaching down and, and Reaching where you are in that place and bringing you up, you would have probably carried on making self-destructive choices and, uh, and making bad decisions and just continually to spiral out of control. If not for the hand and the grace of God. However, If you're on the other side of that, if you think that you kind of came before God and and you pulled your socks up, you tried hard, you performed all the religious goods and you did everything you needed to do, then you'll look at that poor person, you'll look at that person struggling and you'll just say exactly the same. Do what I did. Pull your socks up. Try harder. Get a job. Get some money. Stop drinking. You realize that you have not experienced that grace yourself. You think you've earned God's love and therefore you try and encourage that person to earn it as well. But about the victim, God says this. He says, help them, serve them, befriend them, love them. Just as, just as you were lost and I came for you, do the same to them. You know, we can naturally think that if we're not doing uh, some kind of social work, if we're not doing some kind of uh, reaching out for the homeless or reaching out for the poor, helping people in their places, it can almost feel like you're just not doing charity. And there's a lot of people who do charity, so that's fine. And here I am, I I can just do what I do here. But God doesn't say that. God says, actually, when you don't help the person that's in need, it's not that you're not doing justice, it's that you're not being fair. You're not being just to that person in that place. As Tim Keller said, we have been saved by someone who owes us nothing but rejection. Who reached down and pulled us out of that place. And it's that experience of grace that changes how we relate to everyone and everything around us. And so we take all our time, all our money, all our energy, and all our love, and we pour it into the people around us. And we do justice. So the question is, how do you do justice? And I want to spend the last part of this talk really looking at a a verse in the Bible, a paragraph in the Bible that I think really explains this and helps us kind of identify where those people around us are. And this verse is in Job 29, which will come up on the screen, but verse is from 12 to 17. And right at the heart of that verse, right at the heart of this paragraph is if this line, I put on righteousness, righteousness being a similar word to justice. I put on righteousness as my clothing, and justice was my robe and my turban. In other words, everything I did, I did clothed, I did with the attitude of justice, that I wanted to help people. And then as you look at the verses before and as you look at the verses after, which we'll do in a second, you start to see how justice looks in the world around us, how it looks in our neighborhood, how it looks towards our neighbors. So we're going to just run through a few of those and see how we can apply it. The first thing Job said was, I rescued the poor who cried for help. Now, I've got to commend you guys on this. The the poor people, or or poor people, which includes many of these, include some of us sitting here today, to be honest. Poor people are are someone who just lacks basic need. And as a church, I believe we're doing really well on this. A couple of weeks ago, we decided to push for feed, that whole thing about where we go out and buy an extra item, bring it in, and then we give out bags of food on Mondays to, to people that don't have food. And over the last couple of weeks, that, that amount that you've been bringing in has just increased dramatically. And so we've not needed to send a single person away. Which I absolutely love, and I just think we're doing a fantastic job, and I commend you for that. And then I just think about what it says on the bags, or the feed bags. It says that no one in St. Albans need go hungry, or will go hungry. And I just think, you know, if we carry on doing what we're doing, if we keep on bringing in that bit of food, if we keep on investing in that area, there will not be a single person in this town that will go without food. That is totally accomplishable if we just continue down that road. I just, I love that bit. So the the next one is, uh, and the fatherless who had none to assist them. A fatherless, someone who is is fatherless or someone who is an orphan or someone who is in that place is basically just someone who lacks guidance in their life, good guidance. And so, you know, you could be from a broken background, you could be from a, a place where you've just not had a fair opportunity, or someone who's just been a, a, a good authority figure in your life to speak that good guidance into your life. Uh, and St. Torvin's is, is full of people. I mean, we, we can focus on the youth, and I think that's a great example, but people of all ages can fall under this bracket. And I think of the youth because uh, me and Tara were involved with this thing for a while, with this lady called Helen, where she every Saturday night she would uh, have the Francis Bacon sports hall, and she would open that up to anyone in their teenage years that would otherwise be on the streets, would otherwise be in doing drugs or getting drunk or just wasting that evening away. And what she would do is she would invite them in. So there'd be about 50 to 100 kids at a time. And she'd just gather, gather them around, she'd give them sports to do, she'd give them that community. she'd give them that opportunity just to, to be kids and to play around. And at that time, she'd also invest in them. She'd speak truth into them. She'd tell them off where they needed to be told off. she'd you know, encourage them where they need to be encouraged. And she would be that person that would invest in them. And I love this because she recently told me she received a text from someone who was, uh, when she first kind of started it, was, you know, was in a real bad place. He was doing drugs uh, pretty much all the time, drinking a lot. He was in a, he was in a place where he was you know, walking around with a baseball bat, just looking for trouble. So much so that the police would pick him up every few days. And it was just a cycle of going round and round and round. And here he is five, seven years later. He now manages a toy store in St. Albans. I don't know which one. And he manages it because she spent those years investing into his life as a good role model. And he sent her a text, and this text was, was awesome. He said, um, I just want to say thank you ever so much for what you've done in my life, even the times you've had to tell me off. I love that. Someone once said that kids, uh, youth, People just need a, a real robust attendant figure that, to be honest, can only be wholly found in God. But until that person can trust in God, someone has to come alongside of them and lead him into that place where they can eventually go to God themselves. At the moment, you know, you have people going out, drug dealers or gang leaders or whatever, and they're leading them into Something. How good would it be if we would step into that place and we would be those people that would come alongside people, that we would be, give them guidance, good guidance, and feed into their lives? That would be brilliant. That would be attending to the Fatherless, assisting them. The next one is I made the widow's heart sing. A widow is anyone who has lost something or someone. And the result of that is always that they're lonely. And I just think, you know, we don't have to go particularly far for this. I think if we just look in the houses down our streets, or if we look in the block of flats in which we live, or wherever we are, I think we'll easily bump into people who are lonely. People who spend a lot of time in their house by themselves, doesn't matter what age. I mean, we have something here called uh, flicks, where we invite people along, elderly people, and we show them a movie, we give them lunch. And some of the stories you get from that about people that just haven't left the house for about two years, because they've got nowhere to go and nothing to do. And then they come here and we're able to, 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 you know, to engage them in conversation, to listen to them, to, to speak with them, to, to hear what's going on in their lives and to really engage with them, easing that loneliness. And again, once again, wouldn't it be great if we would step into that place, that we would just take the effort to see who it is around where we live and see who's alone and actually just come and spend time with them to invest into their lives, to take away that loneliness. Uh, The next one is Job said that I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. This can cover so many bases, but the easiest way I think of it is anyone who is able to do even the most simple of tasks for whatever reason. A common reason would be either physically unable or they just haven't been taught. So someone who can't do DIY, can't do decorating, can't do uh, budgeting, can't do uh, cooking a decent, nutritious meal for their family. And I, I love uh, what Emma does with Active. I mean, and they, they went out as a team yesterday, there's about 50, 60 of them or so, and they went down to Delphos Estate, and they were just going around, just serving people, loving people, and, and just doing gardens, or clearing up mess, or whatever it is. <coughs> For people that would otherwise not be able to do it themselves, and just showing that love of God, just showing that that care for helping those victims, for helping those people, for doing justice—such a simple, practical way, and a great way to get started on this. And there, you know, I've heard a story that there's also a load of people that just don't speak English either. And because of that, they're, they're kind of in their house the whole time, just avoiding conversations with people. And how good would it be just to be able to be people that will come alongside and help the blind that have no idea how to do what they need to do, to help the lame to get to places, to go and you know, live their life? You can be part of that. We can all be part of that. The next thing Job says is, um, I, was fa- I was a father to the needy. This is anyone Absolutely anyone, including all those uh, groups I've just mentioned, that are, are just struggling with life. There's just something about the life that is tough, which is difficult. And you just, well, you just wonder, if, if you've been changed by the gospel, if you've been impacted by this grace message, if you have been picked out of that place where you were struggling and God reached down and spoke to you and, uh, and even though you didn't deserve it, he loved you so much that he brought you to that place. We have a message of hope for people that are also in that place that we were. We have that message that you know we can lead them into that relationship with a loving father, can lead them into that relationship with a saving brother, Jesus. Can lead them into that place where we're not just giving them loose words of hope but we're speaking truth. And life, we're inviting them into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we're the true counselor, the true comforter in those situations. For every single person that's struggling, for every single person that suffers, to invite them into that relationship with God can bring so much relief and hope for the future. You and I have the power, as Tim said, to loose the powers, loose the chains of injustice, and give them that living water that can quench that deep thirst, that deep need that's inside. And all we need to do is just share that message practically and verbally. And then the next thing he says is that uh, Job says is, that, "I took up the case of the stranger." Now this, for me, is is um, taking up legal cases of people he doesn't even know. And I just think of a great example of this, what Just Action do with, um, with the Vulture fund? So the Vulture Funds are, is a place where businesses will come and steal debts that are overdue to some of the poorest, or uh, over, uh, unpaid by the poorest countries. And these businesses will come and steal those debts and then charge those debts and charge incredible interest on those debts. And we as a church joined many voices and campaigning, against vulture funds in the UK. So much so that a law was put in place that would stop uh, businesses from appealing for these in the law courts. And that was temporary, that could have fell through, but actually this year it was made absolutely permanent. The first law of its kind anywhere in the world, which means that at least 40 of the poorest countries in the world are now protected from ridiculous amounts of interest and overcharging We have no idea who these people are, frankly, and most of us will never go to these countries. And even if we did, they wouldn't have a clue who you are. We took up the case of the stranger, the legal case, the thing that had no benefit to us whatsoever, but we saw someone in need, and we said, we need to do something about that. And so we stepped into that place, and we helped the stranger, we helped their cause, the last thing that Job says to finish this whole kind of paragraph and verse, and as I share this, would the, the band come back up? The last thing he says is that I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. Right at the beginning, I mentioned that there are two parts to, just, to justice. There's the, the helping the poor, helping the victim, looking around us, and many of us, some of us are in that place now where we need that help, where we need that message, that love, that practical help. But there's also the other side of it, there's the, the criminals, there's a seeking punishment, there's a seeking to stop people doing what they're doing that causes pain and suffering to other people. And we're called to play that part as well. As Jim Wallace once said, you know, we can, we can spend our entire lives bringing people out of the river. But there comes a time when we have to ask the question, who's throwing them in? And we need to step up and do something about it. Do you know, as the church... We're the voice of God, we're the hands of God, we're the body of God in this world. And we're not called to be well-behaved, polite people that sit down and do church and, and keep out of everyone's hair. We're called by God, the Redeemer and the Savior of the world, to come and join him in his plan, to bring forth the kingdom, to make righteousness and justice on this earth to undo the works of the enemy, to undo the works of the evil one, to stand against him, to break the fangs of the wicked, to snatch victims from their their mouth. You and I are called to do that, to be the church of which Jesus said to Peter when he said, I build the church, the gates of hell will not overcome it. That's the church we're supposed to be. So would you guys mind standing as we Close this. Tim says, what, So, what does God ask of you? He says, To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Inspire us, Lord, I pray.